back to talks with Tony. Uh, been a little bit of a hiatus. I've been on the road and uh, doing a lot of things. The groups with talks with Tony, the Patreon, i.e. the tier three group, the remote viewing group, which is have has basically two phases, like the advanced group on Sundays and the beginners on Thursdays, as well as uh, trying to keep up and keep the tier two um, people up to speed with the quick Q&As have really been uh, the bulk of my filming time. And um, so I have I had a few guests that kind of rescheduled. I got some really good guests coming up. Um, but I just want to let you guys know that we're still I'm still doing this, but the live groups are really where it's at. The remote viewings I found um, we've had great success with those, and I I intend to put out more remote viewing information and things along those lines, especially with the subject matter of today's show was a trip from last week. Sorry, I got some water on me. A trip I took last week with uh, Tyler Koala. Hello, Tyler. Hey, how's it going? Hey, really good, man. Welcome to the show. Thanks for doing this with me. And we can it's kind of a recap um of what we did last week, which for me was um mind blowing. So absolutely earth shattering. It was big. It was like I was just saying off camera, like what we did, you know, all these people coming forward with memories, but what what you did, but in particular, but what we did was something that no one really gets a chance to do go revisit a place where you were taken there in a 20 and back and not only we visit but i mean we really we were on site and you know we i, I don't want to say too much i don't know how much you want to share but uh no, i mean we were that, there man. it was an adventure let's just say that and, and watching you have the emotional reaction um that i'm glad you know we're filming this for a documentary as well and i'm glad i caught a lot of that on camera because that that is you can't fake that you can't fake the emotional reaction so when the audience or anyone who you're trying to get this message across to sees that um that's real that's real you know when you're reliving those memories so i've looked at it and you know again again always my my take on this when we do that when i do these trips i did seattle last month and um you know i'm always looking i'm planning hoping to go to peru and have some kind of a reunion there if I could figure out a way to get into that area. Um, but for one, I'm always looking for proof, man. I'm always looking for the skeptic people to take this to the next level, take my testimony to the next level. Uh, so the world really needs to know, but they, they're they not going to listen to me if I don't have proof. I did find proof here. I did. I did. There are things, but again, there are things that I'm calling out in the past that we go and discover on site. And luckily we filmed some of it. Um, it's not the proof that people want. People want paperwork. And I, I have found some things that lent, that support my entire testimony, the dates and places. Um, but beyond everything, the emotional reaction this time was, it really wasn't pain, even though at first it was like the first instant, it was kind of emotionally painful, but really there is always the, I always have, I, it's hard to explain. It's hard to convey this to people, but I always have the hope. I literally have the hope that it's false you people are like man you're schizophrenic it's a screen memory it's blah 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 it's this and that the you're a larp you know whatever it is i'm always in the back of my mind thinking you know that'd be great if if it was like that but what happened was we went to a place that i didn't expect we went to that we went to a portable one of the buildings there and i had no rec i did not recognize it from the outside i think they might have painted it um, but I did not recognize that as the portable. I really didn't from the outside. 
I had no clue. And I just thought I was going to walk up and see some other portable and peeked inside. And lo and behold, when I looked inside, it was the place that I was during that time. And all the memories flooded back and the reality, the realization flooded. And you know what I mean? I went, oh my God, it's real. You know, like, oh my God. And I had this happen in Seattle years ago. And it, this was... um you know, profound. There, neither one of them was any less profound than the other. The reaction is, but then I had time to kind of get over it. And, you know, this time it's like, you go there and it's true. So thankfully I was at your conference for the last two years. Mm -hmm. And I know you planning on having another one next year in May in Grafton, right? Yep, so that's called place. the, that's going to be called Rebels of Disclosure. Is that right? That's right. Beautiful conference. And anybody watching, please come on out. We'll um, be there. Well, you know, I said this, whether I'm a speaker or not next year, I'm still going. So I will still be there because um, all my friends are there. You know what I mean? Like, it's a really good, it's a really easy to get along with people. We're all of the same mind and people that are up to speed on everything. So the conferences are are the number one source for places like that. So I just wanted to plug your your conference. If anybody right. watching, please head out there and you can find it. I'm sure on Journey of the Truth. What is the yeah. website? It's we don't even have the website up yet. We're still working out the details and we're building the website and all that. But as soon as we have all that, people will know it'll be out. I know it's way early and it'll end up on your main site. So yeah, I'm just exactly. plugging that. So, yeah. But this time we went, man, and thank you for doing this. You know, originally Brad Olson went out there years ago and got on site and he was doing a FaceTime and he was showing me around. And again, a lot of the stuff that we found wasn't obvious. So I had no clue when we went out there and Brad was going to come with me this time, but he just, he had engagements, you know, he had Brad never sits still. He's always got something in the pipe. And mm -hmm. I want, I really wanted to go out there and get footage before this upcoming conference in Orlando, the um, GSIC galactic spiritual informers Co conference connection conference. And I really wanted this footage for that so I can present. So every time it's the same story over and over. And I always want to add something new to it. So the what to be relevant, you know, and, and again, have proof because I think that the 20 and back stuff is being swept under the rug slowly, yes. slowly, like a limited hangout. And they're, but they're doing it slow. They're not going to jerk it away and say, this is that, but they're slowly kind of weaning the public's eye, the community. It's not even the public. It's our community. They're weaning us away. Right. And um, so there's a, lot, there's a lot of stuff that's coming forward. That's really hard to believe in right now, as far as the 20, uh, just SSP, topic goes i'm not saying that the people that are speaking aren't telling the truth but you know when you're getting so far out there you know you gotta like you gotta keep in mind we're used to the 20 and back we're used to this information however many years we've all been you know diving into this so we like it all makes sense to us we've had time to figure it out in our minds but there's new people every day coming into this community awakening and to be quite honest, like I, we need to keep it going because we need to reach the, the, the new people and the skeptics, you know, so to keep it alive. Like, and I think the only way to do that is doing what we're doing and going on site, boots on the ground, getting that, I mean, tangible evidence. I mean, it's maybe not exactly what everyone wants to look for, but, or what everyone is looking for, but you're not going to satisfy everyone. You know, everyone has their own version of what they want evidence to be. And even if you show them a photo, they're like, oh, that's fake. You know, so it doesn't matter. You're not going to make anyone happy. So um, bottom line is you're bringing more to the table than pretty much anyone at this point by going around to these spots and and uh, 
I, I honestly think it's incredible to that, that I even get to be a part of it. And that's why, you know, we're at the early stages of this documentary that you're going to be a part of. Uh, but we're really trying to reach reach the skeptics and reach the new people and give it credibility in a way to, that even the skeptics have to look at and say, huh, that's I right. wondered, you know, and uh, that's where we're at. Yeah. That's always been my thing. I'm like, look, man, you guys can explain it some other way, but I'm I'm calling it how I see it, what I remember. And there's things you can't explain away, the series stuff and the salt. Um, but again, I, uh, you know, I went to Seattle and I got plenty of evidence there. And like, I go to these places and there's no real smoking gun, but this one really was a wealth of stuff. Fortunately, like I said, I was at your conference two years ago. I have a clip that uh, you sent me when I was on stage talking about Inyo Kern. So I, um, but in the clip, I talk about the buildings there are not, they used to be portables. I remembered three portables. So I remembered a portable that we slept in. We had cots and they, sometimes they did experiments there. They had other things that more, since I've been there, since I, we've returned, I remembered much more about it. So the memories have come and, um, you know they're unsettling, but they're not all the. They're not all. They're not unwelcome. So I'm. It's like a healing thing to remember a traumatic event is the way to get past it and to work through it. You know, work at least the stage I'm at. Um, but I went on. Can't I was on stage at your conference two years ago, and I know I've been through dozens and a lot of my interviews I can't find, and I don't want to pour through every interview to take a twenty second clip. This is a really great thing of evidence. Those three buildings is where it was. Back then, they were portables. They were demol They were condemned after and replaced, and those are, those are buildings that Brad showed me. They're not portables anymore. But they're still classified as a California special district. They don't exist. They don't technically exist. So I remember two port big portables that we were in and then a nurse's portable. And uh, the other portable was, I had a tile floor and we had, they had chains hanging from the ceiling, like a swing set. And we would go in there and they'd put us in it. And we had helmets that, you know, motorcycle helmets with electrodes. And we got shocked as the movie played. We watched those crazy movies. And then when we were done, we'd go back and they'd ask, we'd debrief us. And I said this in many older interviews that he had a little office where he'd debrief us, a cubicle. And we'd sit in the chair on one, and then he'd call us in one by one. Like he'd be, okay, he would take three of us. We could go to bed, lay in our cot. But he would say, you, you, and you, come on. And we'd sit and wait in the chair. And then he'd pull one in and ask us questions at the end of the day. How do you feel? How did that make you feel? What do you, like he was gauging the drug drugs he was giving us or what the experience. He had a book, right. a manual that was doing that. Anyhow, I called that out long ago and remembered it, Not although, albeit not clearly. So... Then we went to, I want to get some, I'm going to put a share screen and I'm going to go over some still pictures and just, we got some drone pictures and um, yeah, let's do this. Sure. So I'm sharing this with my share screen with the world. Um, so this was in Yukern. Uh So this is, we got some footage up higher. So over here on the left is where I remember that being. So here's a better shot of it. These buildings here, these three buildings, I hope you guys can see my cursor, but these three little um, barn sheds, whatever you want to call them, are classified as a special district. It's California special district. And I have slides I presented on that. I remember the whole thing. I remember walking on this hot pavement in the summer. We had socks. We'd walk around in our socks and we'd walk from one to the other. Even at night, this stuff hurt, hurt your feet. 
like even in the middle of the night they'd wake us up uh this this wasn't there back then uh let me go back here here's another good look but i remember right here in this area was the portable that we slept in and we would get out on the porch go this way and we would walk over here and there was the other portable that they we'd watch the movies in and then up here was the nurse's station the nurse there was a kitchen and uh like a first aid first aid place and she was a nurse and she would come over and help the, the doc and he was in and out they mostly they'd plug us in the movies and <clears throat> let it play all day long and they'd leave and they'd come back for lunch and we'd uh we'd go to bathroom break and then uh lunch and then they'd put us right back on there and then they'd pull us down they'd feed us i don't even really remember eating i remember sandwiches i remember anyhow um but these are some stills of what we found there. Uh, I don't want to go. Oh. And this is more towards the other area. I remember this bridge, and I told Brad, I was like, this is where those rocks are. But really, those rocks were up here that I remembered, the grapefruit-sized rocks. And um, I don't think you can see it in one of these other ones. Let's see. Here's a good picture. This This little spill ditch, I thought I could crawl down and get under the fence over there. Um. It went that way, and that's where it went under that bridge. Gosh, I'm kind of screwing up here. I, that's where it went under that bridge. You got over here. This was that spillway. <clears throat> and I thought I could get over and get under this one and hide under one of these bridges, like hide here, and then run over here and hide, and then run out, and then make my escape into these hills into the west. Into the west. That's where they go. We found out, me and you, we went there. Did that, uh, I got to ask, um, did that bug you? in the first place to go out there to the west no not even not, not in the slightest i was excited i mean you sold me yeah. whenever you said you know we're going to the twilight zone i'm like i'm in oh. <laughs> that <laughs> yeah. was what i said and you know what though um it was but we uh, were we were staying on a, basically like a compound we were in between military bases it was a military town we even had a warm welcoming when we uh, went to breakfast. I don't know if you want to tell that story. But... No, I want you to tell it. I want you to say that because I mentioned it to some other people. But and the more I think about it, the more we should have been scared of what happened. We should, me, you and I should have been terrified for what happened. Well, that's what saved us. We weren't, and that's, that's why right. we. That's why we did it, and that's why you don't live in fear. But um, yeah, so we, you know, it's a military town jets chinook helicopters i mean all day long air traffic there's guard stations you know everything you just you, it doesn't even feel normal the town feels weird it's almost like a simulation how many times did we remark did you remark on the town like this is oh, the weird. vibe it was like out of a movie it was in a twilight it was a twilight zone movie and even the people had a demeanor yeah like like the stepford wives kind of yeah, yeah kind like, of body language that they were everyone's doing. like running on a program yeah and uh, so we get to the, we decide to go to a diner, Christie's Diner, I think it was, uh, the very first morning. And I think we're the first two people there, and uh, or no one else was there anyway. And we park and walk in the door, and I guess he's the owner, the guy that worked there, the waiter. Um, he greeted us, and he had the table set already. Table set, he's standing up, like waiting for us to come in the door, and he's like, what do you say? Have a seat, guys. He just said, like, have a seat, guys. Like he was waiting for us. He was waiting with his arms like this. When we walked yeah. in the door, he was like, here you go, guys. Have a seat. Yeah. 
have a seat. This is you. And there were there was another guy way in the back, and there was somebody sitting at the bar. I think at the you know they had a little breakfast. Yeah, the the guy at the bar was watching us the whole time, which um we'll get into that. But I uh, and then I said it's almost like you were it's almost like you knew we were coming, and he kind of just smirked and he was like, "Have a seat," like the the waiter, you know. Yeah, he, he and, didn't acknowledge you. He just. Yeah. And it was so weird. And we sat down and we looked at each other. It was crazy. Then that guy at the bar who had the sunglasses and the hat, he looked like a Luis Elizondo kind of. He had the black t-shirt and he wasn't eating. He wasn't eating or drinking. He was just sitting there and he would, he was watching us. And eventually I got a picture of him and I'll even send that picture to you if you want to post it in the editing or post editing. I, you know, I don't have his permission. So, uh, you know right. what I mean? Like, I don't want to get, right. I would put the picture in there, but I don't have his permission to put it recording. So, sure. Yeah. I, I, that. I understand um, that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he was staring. He was clearly staring. At first, you think everybody's, you know, we, you and I were a little, I had our guard up anyway. Right. We knew what we knew what we were going into. Even when we left the airport, we were driving out three yeah. hours. We knew what we were getting into, but he was absolutely, fixated on you and i he watched us the whole time and the whole time yeah and there's and more people came in after us and he didn't set the table for anyone else it wasn't like it was a normal procedure for the other people yeah he just said go ahead and have a seat anywhere and then he then he took them but he had two two menus and two for two silverwares waiting and he had his arms like that, like it was the most un. Like we didn't get a choice where we wanted to sit. He's like, "You guys are sitting here." <laughs> in my mind, I thought we should not sit there, and, right. you know, because I walked in in front of you, and I thought we shouldn't. And I turned around, I looked at you, and, and I said, "What do you think?" And you said, "Ah, yeah, let's go, go ahead. Oh, why not? Right? Yeah, so we'll just right. go into it." And um, I was a little nervous. I got to admit, when I um had my coffee, I had my first drink of coffee. I was like, "Right, <laughs> yeah, we're like." Uh, <laughs> <what's going laughs> It was it was so obvious that I my personal opinion is that they wanted us to know that they knew we were in town. That's right. just that, all. That's bottom line. That's the way I feel about it. That's right. They were letting us letting us know. And then the other thing is when we were talking about the place to eat, we had a conversation about it back in there where we were staying. Yeah. And so when we went over, whenever we went out to eat after that, we changed our mind at the last minute. We'd right. say. Let's go get a burrito, and then we'd go to the other place. We'd go to the pancake place instead. Right. So we never, we never telegraphed where we were eating after that, and it didn't happen again. Um, yeah, that's very true. So and I'll go back. Oh, go on, I was say. just gonna say. I mean, even before I left in St. Louis, I had some suspicious stuff, and I don't play victim to that stuff. But things I just can't notice, or I can't ignore. Um, I almost got in a head-on collision the day of the leaving for the airport and a guy ran a red light and he missed me by this much. And I was, he was so close to me. I could see the patch on his sleeve and it was a law enforcement patch. And uh, when I got to the airport, there was a guy looked dressed exactly the way the guy was dressed at their diner, but he was skinnier. And he, three different times I caught him looking at me and I eventually took a picture of him. He wasn't just looking at me. When I got up to the restaurant, he followed me to go eat. Like it was it was wild. And I'm like, man, I don't want to be paranoid, but who wears sunglasses in the airport? Like, it was so obvious. He looked like a fed boy with a satchel. I mean, anyway, uh, it was just interesting. And then whenever we got there and we walked into that diner, it was like, okay, it's on. It was <laughs> yeah. obvious. It wasn't a ham- and, this That instance of the diner was not something that you could explain away. No. And go. when we pulled up to Inyokern, they opened the gate for us. That's right. And you said, go in there. I remember you saying, and I said, I- I'm afraid we will, they won't let us out. We won't get out. We don't, you know. I had plus, trap written all over it. <laughs> yeah, it was weird. 
yeah. I I was um I was in a panic state of mind the whole time when we were on the base on in your current we were in the airfield. It wasn't because I was afraid of something, but it was because that it I it it hit home that it was real. Like the memory, like when I said the sunrise, watching the sun come up before the day before we went when the sun went. Oh God, that's the, exactly. I remember it because the weather is always clear there. That's why they have an air. That's why they have a, a an, an air base there, and um, it was the same lighting, the same everything, the sound of the jets flying over. It was like I remember it, the F 18s were flying over all day long, and going on any current. So I was in a not. I was already in a confused state of mind. If I would have been maybe in your shoes, like with a friend and not been been detached. I would have wanted to go ask questions and, Hey, tell me about this. You know, like been, been kind of a sleuth about it, but honestly, I felt like just returning there was theft enough, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But it, so let's, I want to show a couple of video. I'm going to show yeah, a video it. of it and uh, let me make sure I click the share sound button on it. Um, see here. Oh, that works. Zoom USA computer. If you were to go ask questions anyway, I don't. The people working there today, they they'd probably be clueless, you know. Uh, I mean, unless somebody was there waiting for us, but potentially. Um, there. So there you go. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Yep. So I did some computer stuff, and it says my default microphone changed, and other things have changed. You sound the same. Sounds good. So we filmed this, and this is an unedited version. So um, there's, it'll be. So here we are in Yokern Airport. So after my abduction, they put me through a process. I woke up with no memory of where I came from, and it was here. They were portables. Portables where they were buildings that are that I found later were classified as special district um, classification, so they're they're out of the jurisdiction of law enforcement. But I remembered that, and I was put through a trauma-based mind control program. And I remember the mountains to the west and the outcropping over there that I always would plan taking these trails. You can see trails going up, and I thought if I could make it to some of these spires of stones, I could hide. You know, like I'd seen Hardy Boys movies and and then driving this road here was weird because I drove it in 1982. We rode on a bus when we left here to China Lake in 1982 and this is my first time and I can prove that I've ever been here and it's just a surreal feeling. It feels like home, but it's not. That's uh, kind look at that. It's gone. Okay. Tech diff. Huh. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot more to that. It's three minutes long. Well, I can yeah. res I can resend it to you. Okay. Well, um, let me see here. Uh, I want to kind of show if I can find the one that has what I want. The buildings. Um, sorry, people. I'll cut all this out. I'm guessing I have to cut this out later. Um, ah, annual building. Here it is. I'm keep it real, man. Oh, uh, and plus, I like not editing if I can help it. Right. So I think I think most of the people I got a small audience of friends uh, core. Uh, so this is my results. So you thank God you came with me, Tyler. Um, 
The red area is the places that are classified the special district. Like I said, I remember a portable here and a portable here and another portable here. And this portable, I had no idea. Uh, I thought this could be, this is probably a newer one that they bought uh, several Boulder portables. I did not recognize this portable from the outside whatsoever, but there's a portable there. And also there's a burnt one here. So I always, in my clip, the portables were condemned and to be destroyed. And it looks like it was this one. And then here I recognized the hardware on the top of this one. It was the kitchen. The nurse actually had two. These are campers. That one was the, uh, so I can zoom in here. One is the uh, hospital one, and the other was the kitchen that had the coolers in it, that had refrigerators. So um, let's go. So we walked, we did make it into a portable. Uh, and at this point, I want to say to people, anybody watching this, firstly, there were no, no trespassing signs. Secondly, it was open. Um, at this yeah. point in the video, when we walked and we pulled over, this is right after they opened the gate for us. They opened the gate and then we didn't drive in and they closed it. And we drove up here. We drove another hundred feet and pulled over. And I said, let's go look at that portable. Right. Is that, was it, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was my idea. Yeah. And uh, at this point I had no recollection of this portable. This did not look familiar to me. I remember the porches were kind of beefy on the ones we were on. They were big porches like that. But at this, at this point, I thought this was just a, ran, a different portable that was after the fact. I had no, I did not suspect this in any way, shape, or form to be one of the buildings that I remembered. The film's going pretty slow for some reason. It's looking good over here. get it together man but that was it i first glance i knew it i absolutely knew that that was what do the you building. see that's the So when I was abducted by ETs and ended up on a base somewhere, and they told me they wanted to borrow my consciousness for 20 years and explained everything and got my consent, they did a, they did a test on me, on my genetics, to see if I was compatible with what they wanted to do. And the test came back positive. They said, yep, barely. You get to go once. And uh, they said, go ahead. And they laid me down, and they stuck something in my face, uh, in my eye. And I saw stars and I woke up right there. This is the, this is the next thing I saw after that. I woke up sick feeling with no memory of where, who I was or where I'd come from. There were cots. I hope you can see my cursor. There was a cot here and a cot here with another kid in it. And there were IV bags, you know, the IV stand. And the nurse was, he's up. And the doctor came from on here and I could hear him talking to other kids in the other room. And uh, he came and gave me a medical examination, reflexes, uh, everything like that. So this is the very first place I woke up. And it's something that um, 
I was freaking out at this point. In the other room were the cubicles. So he had a desk here. He had like a poster. He had a desk with a stack of the manuals. And he had a desk and a chair. Then he had three chairs either here or here that we'd wait in. And over here he had more books. Uh, I think there was like a dresser. That's where our clothes were. And that's where we would be. And then this room was all cots for the kids all the way up to the wall there. So this there were cots along the side. And in the beginning, let it play. Uh, in the beginning, the cots, there were IV bags. But after they got rid of the IVs, they scooted them together. And then they moved me out from the hallway into the room with the rest of the kids, which I was happy about. It was just like this. If it wasn't this one, it was one exactly like it, the same layout. See, you had cots here. So at this point, I was in shock. I'm gonna tell, I don't know. How were you feeling at this point, Tyler, while I got you on the show? I was, man, it was weird. I First of all, I couldn't believe that we were in there. I, I was actually surprised that you went in. That surprised me. I, I didn't know if you would be too scared. You like, I, I fully expected you to look in that window and said, all right, let's get out of here. Like, I don't, but you were like, I'm going in. I'm like, okay. You know, I just had the camera I, and I was just trying to keep up and I was like, I could feel your emotion. That was the biggest thing that I remember. Like the energy was weird. Like it was like, I could feel you reliving those memories and just walking behind you. It was pretty surreal. And like the video, like you said, after watching it back, the video doesn't do it justice. Like it felt intense when we were in there, like we were doing something wrong. You watch it back. It just kind of looks like. We're scrolling around through an empty or strolling around through an empty building, but it was felt like so much more than that. Yeah. Uh, well, it did to me. I was in, like I said, I, at this point, I was in a state of shock right now. Right. And um, then I realized we were trespassing. I thought I better get some. I wanted to slow down and do a better job. I wanted to explore it. But we were ultimately um, somewhere that is closed off. I mean, it wasn't locked. It was open. You could walk right up. There's no sign. So. You know, yeah. an argument could be made that we uh, are not trespassing, that it's this is a public place. So, um, and yeah. we didn't disturb anything. We took some pictures and got out of there. So, you know, if, if this show leads to trouble, then I guess I'll answer to it. But um, this place is real. If they, if they didn't want us walking around in their old derelict uh, 1982 portable, they shouldn't have duck kids. Right. Um, but up here, he had the nurse's station. There was another desk. And over to the right... I said, let's get out of here. And this is when I was like really freaking out. I was we closed it. Yeah. <laughs> we were never here. Yeah, that's what you were saying. And besides them yeah. watching us right now from satellite. <laughs> yeah. You were you were making light of the situation and it's like well, I was still just, in shock. That's me always, you know, and I don't I don't I wasn't trying to take away from the moment for you, but Oh not uh, at all. And you weren't. I like I said, I, I said there, like I feel like I want to throw up. I said, Oh my god. The you know thing, what, well, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that that was it, it led to the reality of it all. Um, you know, I mean, it made it real. So, mm -hmm. uh, let me see here. I'll just let this play while we talk. That's some drone footage, I believe. And you um, know what's interesting? Thinking back on this trip, like it was almost too easy. Like, there was like, it's like they, there, we didn't even see anyone, first of all. Like, besides them opening that gate, like, I don't know. It's like they were allowing us to be there almost. Well, you know what, though? So what I found, so after I got home, um, 
So I'm like, I got to package this. I got to present this on stage. I'm going to be in front of a better part of a thousand people next week. And I want to, I want to explain this. And so I've been doing research on this and I thought, man, this, this is real. If this is real, there's gotta be a paper. There's a part of my language. There's a fucking building. There's the building. Right. So there's yeah. gotta be a trail, a paper trail somewhere. Um, what I found out is that the project grill flame ended at the same time that I said it ended. So I was there the best I could. I was abducted. It was April 15th. Uh, 17th was the day that of the picture in my book. April 15th, I believe, 1982 um, was when I was abducted. So I have to look at that again. I'm probably saying it wrong. But sometime between the 18th or the 15th and the 17th, it was a Thursday, was the night I was taken. And so I probably woke up here on a Monday. It was probably that following Monday that I woke up here. And uh, here we see, clear, there's the evidence. It was a U United States Naval Ordnance Testing Station. It even says experimental. experimental. Yeah. You know, what's funny is like, if anything that we should have been scared of is this, like flying a drone in an airport. <laughs> yeah. Like, I can't even, like, you were like, yeah, I'm not going to fly over the fence. And you fly directly up to this. Like, you couldn't have gotten any closer to this building. Mm. It's funny. Well, it wasn't in airspace. And let me clear for anybody watching. The drone was like 100 feet up, so no plane. And it wasn't in a, any airspace, so they let you fly it. The drone will not fly In a restricted somewhere. space. Yeah, because yeah, we tried again in Vegas, and we were near the airport. It won't even take off. Right. So so um, back to why they let us is that um, I'm going to say there's some other drone footage I'd like to get here. Um, let me do this one. Um. So this was a little bit higher. I think this was like 200 feet up. And I just wanted to get some footage for the hills in the distance. And um, by the way, we solved that too when we went out there. If I would have escaped and made it out to those mountains, I would have surely died. It's a very inhospitable environment. Um, yeah, right, yeah. I wouldn't have made it far, put it that way. Um, yeah. But what I found is that the project, so, and then I remember ending up in Peru right after New Year's of 83. Because kids had 1982 shirts and they were making fun of them. So that's, I always remembered that it was, I was like head on, I didn't know what was happening to me when I got dropped off in Peru. And so that's kind of a, I, I was so afraid of being something bad happening that I remembered that kind of clearly. And I remember kids having a 19, you know, those shirts that have the eight and the two. And uh, so it was right after New Year. So it was January of 83 that I was in Peru. So I find out that the funding for Project Grill Flame, which it was a, this was a subcontracted from that. So not only did Project Grill Flame took place in uh, Fort Meade and other places out east, but they subcontracted it. They were eager to sell to, to individuals and other organizations that had type three security clearance, and they were selling it. They were contracting out the services, and so this and obviously I was a space based asset. I was from the secret space program. So I was probably a higher security, security level five or something. So um, there's, I found evidence for that paperwork for that, but it ended right then. So we were the last batch. So my, us that went through this uh, with the research from the grill flame, we were the last batch until they, they discontinued that program. And don't think that that's discontinued because it's was a failure. They discontinued it because they said that INSCOM had the monopoly on remote viewing. And so they wanted the other branches 
to have access to it. Uh, so they renamed it to Project Center Lane, which put the technology in the center, and then they moved it to Leavenworth, and all the other branches could could re access the data and train their own remote viewers and their own psychoenergetics. So psychoenergetics is what happened from this program. That was what what happened is they did psychoener not only remote viewing but psychoenergetic um, research into bending spoons and walk supposedly walking through walls uh, and remote influencing what that's what we call nowadays remote but basically perturbing things at the target site so not only remote viewing a target but actually like pulling a trigger or moving a pen or perturbing that or making somebody sick so that's another thing they were you know you can make somebody sick make somebody you can perturb behavior at a distance when mm -hmm. you have so they they perfected that now and sold it just so the audience is clear it was moved to Kansas City. Yes. Right? That, yeah. yeah. So Leavenworth, Leven, yeah. Fort Leavenworth, Kansas City. So what I'm saying is the contractors that were this, so we were kids that they believed were clones. So I'm going to stop the share so you guys can see us. Um, what I'm saying is the people in that airport had no idea what was going on there. So when you said nobody came out, they don't, they don't know. that That's an old derelict portable that not it was an administrative building i found other pictures of it i'm going to show i'm gonna to have to edit that in too but so then i looked at it back in um when you look on google earth you can go back in time right mm -hmm. so you can go yeah. back to 19 1990 for instance and what happened was when you go back to the 1980s there's nothing it's too blurry there's no you can't see what was there but in 1994 that portable was moved over by the airfield it's it stayed on site. It was there on the earliest picture. Then they built the addition of a building and they moved the portable to where it sits today. The other two portables that we showed were exactly the, the nurses station, those campers and that one that was burnt and destroyed were there from 94 on. So 94, I think is the earliest images I've got. Mm -hmm. I found those two. I'm going to, that's going to be in my presentation as well. So it's supporting evidence. It's not a smoking gun. Um, but that's all the buildings. I had no expectation. When we were planning this trip, I did not expect to find any of the buildings, not one. I knew that those buildings had been built in the area, and I was just trying to walk it and kind of smell the place and get the vibe, check the place, and kind of see. And I did get a lot of memories back. I do remember much more now. Right. And well, not only, it's interesting how it happened. You know, the portable happened first, but it wasn't. The other two didn't happen until the last day when we went back for more drone footage. And you, we just happened to go down some off the trail road, you know, and then we ended up on another road that drove us past the two, the nurses station and the, um, the doctor's office or, or the, wherever the lunchroom. Right. Yes. And then yep. that's also when we connected the dots about the burnt, the condemned one that was the frame. Let me see if I have something in here with that. Uh, uh, yeah. So there. So this is how I got the memory is I remembered the hardware up here. So we I was like, it wasn't air conditioning. It was for the refrigerator. It was a refrigeration unit. They had a big freezer in here. And I think this was the air conditioning. So she hung out in here. This was the kitchen. And then this one was like the hospital. So when we got hurt, we went in there. There were kids got burnt and like, they were torturing us. I'm going to put it bluntly. There were kids that got broken arms. I got my arm dislocated. We went there. That was the triage. So we would get taken into here and the nurse was in there and she'd fix it up. There were also towels and, and napkins and things in there that we would go get. 
and then this was the kitchen. But when we well, drove we by, would... that's when I remembered it. Yeah, and like, but I'm, what I'm trying to say is, if we hadn't, it's it's interesting how we're guided, how people are guided, because the way we ended up on this road to drive past these on the way out, we didn't even notice these the first trip or two trips, you know. Um, so it was really interesting, and that's also when we connected the dots about the burnt uh, the foundation. The, the burnt one. Yeah, I got a good picture off of Google Earth of it that shows. But basically, it's the chassis. Um, the other thing I did on Google Earth was I measured the length of the places that I remember it being, which is about 140 feet. And I measured the frame that was burnt of the of the trailer and then the one that is there and then those other two to make sure that they could all fit in that area. And they do. It did check out. Yeah. So um, they're like 50 two by 38 and 36 by 50 so it's 100 and then the, another 40 feet for those two campers so that does all fit um yeah but that was it so inside that that video inside the trailer which who knows i might make might be evidence against us we get in trouble you know some federal offense but that's a public place and like i said there were absolutely no no trespassing no signs. signs there and the yeah. door was wide open it was not locked mm-hmm. yeah i don't think um, there's anything to worry about there um, but the whole but it, trip, it was it was wild, man. It was wild, and and uh, you know we we saw evidence of other underground installations too, and just driving around. I mean, the one was so obvious. They had the like the U-Haul truck. It had the evergreen cargo, the shipping container. Um, the trucks parked outside of abandoned house, abandoned mansion too. I mean, the thing looked like it was ten thousand square feet yeah. with the windows busted out of it, and then a radar array right above it, and on a hill. In the middle of nowhere, yeah. 20 miles from anything, right? A radar right. array next to a giant building with, with box fans parked out front. So it was obviously an entrance to a lower, to a, it was obviously what, exactly what an entrance to an underground base would look like. You right. would think it would look like. And it was like, um, they weren't even trying to hide it. It wasn't well, even. They, they know people who aren't in this field aren't ever going to question that. They're, people are going to drive by that every day mm-hmm. and they're just going to think, oh, military, that's it. That's it. They don't have to explain themselves. They're not obligated to explain themselves. And even when people like us do connect the dots and we see through the veil and we understand what's going on, what are we going to do? Like, we can't drive up there and say, hey, stop. (laughs) Yeah, let me open this. Let me see where this elevator shaft is to goes down. So it's going to be secured as well. Uh, You know, I imagine if you poke the hornet's nest enough, somebody's going to show up and you're going to get in trouble. I think we're flirting with it right now. I, like I said, I'm heavily researching. I'm using the CID classified documents, which are perfectly legal for me to look at. But I've got a list of names that are involved with what was going on back then. And basic, and the interesting thing, and like I said, I'm going to, uh, for people in talks with Tony, I am going to be presenting more of this information in the coming months. Um, but the program that I was in, started out as a remote viewing program and it morphed into something very much else. And they called it psycho energetics. And so along those lines, I've already, I've already uncovered a few other things that are going to make remote viewing a little easier. Like, well, I mean, I'll save that for later, but I'm already uncovered a lot of things and remembered things from what I went through uh, back then of the tech, uh, the technology that they were doing. So there are a few things that I want to do. It opens the door to an extremely advanced version of remote viewing. And tier three, it's kind of what we've been doing all along. It is remote influencing. We tend to heal people. We tend to do things that are positive. People, um, 
you know, move into a city and don't have any friends. So we had to do a group meditation. We all meditate that they find a good friends mm. soon. And That's then it cool. happens. And That's then it cool. happens. It manifests like, you know, um, you know, my life is terrible right now. My job sucks. I need a better job. We all meditate on it. And it happens. These things, it's amazing. But most of the time it's healing. Somebody's sore. Mom's sick. Uh, somebody's sick. And we heal, we do a meditation on them. We cover them with a blue light and a intent, positive intentions. And we ask, you know, we protect ourselves when we go in and we all do it at the same time, the same moment on the clock. And we have, we have stunning results every week. Uh, you know, I don't think they'd all lie to me. So everybody, I don't think they'd all come in and say, Tony, I'm great. You know, I think if it didn't work, they'd say, say something. So right. most of the time we have really, really, really good results. And every time we have results, good results. It, you, exactly. And I think that's amazing. But one other thing I want to point out that we didn't talk about being in that annual current in that town or Ridgecrest. Um, when we were driving around town, like you were also pointing out things that you remembered, like, uh, like they took us through this checkpoint or this guard station. And uh, you remember being on the bus and all the kids, you know, the, the recall is coming back through t throughout town, not just at annual current airport. Mm -hmm. And uh, around there. So it's very distant, you know, like they're very distant memories, like your childhood. Anybody would go back. If somebody lived in a place until they were 10 years old and then moved away, and then after they were 50, moved, went back to visit that place, it would kind of be come back and kind of not. And that's mm -hmm. that's kind of where I was with that riding through Ridgecrest, because it was only one, really one time that I went through there. Yeah. And um, But yeah, that was true. I was having a heavy flashback. The main thing is the vibe. The weird, it was weird back then. And I, it's my theory that everybody that's living in that town is an experiment. I think you so. were pointing out the drum. You've done shows, journey to like I haven't watched all your shows, um, but you've done shows where you said people were talking about the voice of God technology and some of the other technology um, that those big drums on the five G towers. <clears throat> and I have never in a town this small. I'm going to get the population on it. Um, in a oh, town man, that small, I've never seen so many five G towers concentrated. There was it was like you're never a stone's throw away from a different 5g tower and every other one had one of those big drums that you said were voice of god tech and yeah. then everybody there was a latino it was a high, heavy latino population so people that may have immigrated or came through illegally that they put there and they're being experimented on. like it's my it's my opinion and my punch that that's an test bed for social problems social um uh well i i believe so and there's been enough people that come forward that you know the 20 and back can happen in one night Mm -hmm. You can, I mean, not 20 years, but you can literally do eight hours and back. Um, that's right. And, and uh, I think that's what happens in those towns. Uh, Donald Marshall used to talk about it. And, you know, they would, uh, you know, abduct the consciousness there in the REM state of sleep and put you in a clone body and have you do something in the middle of the night and put you back. And like, it would be a nightly thing. It wouldn't be like one night and it's one and done. And Charles Hall, who uh, talks about the tall white, he was stationed at, I uh, forget which Air Force Base, near Nellis. I don't know. Um, he remembers, he has his memory of being on the military base and then taken in the middle of the night and to work with these ETs on the ground and then brought back. And this was a nightly thing, but it was happening to other guys on the base, but they didn't have their memories. They were clueless to it. Randy Kramer said the same thing. Many people that have reached out to me and I've worked with them on timelines say the same thing. They were taken a couple times at young ages, three and four years old. They were taken for a two or two or three days and put back. Mm -hmm. And they'd tell their mom and dad about it. And then they'd months later, they'd be taken again and put back. And then finally, 
later on in their early teens taken for the long duration. Right. Uh, Randy Kramer said the same thing. I think those are people being groomed for the for the service. And I mm -hmm. wasn't. I was a spur of the moment, which is probably why I remember, because I was not groomed going into it. I just looked it up. Uh, China Lake and Ridgecrest together have about just under 30,000 people living yeah, there. That's not... And it's pretty spread out. It's like a it's very spread out. It's like two cities. Yeah. So fifteen thousand, right. you know, twenty thousand on one side, ten thousand on the other, plus a military base. Yeah. But there's nothing hundred miles from anywhere else. That's that sign that says hundred yeah. miles from everywhere. So I believe it's an experiment. Experiment it's a warfare experimental town. It was the weirdest you know, vibe ever. The question is, what happened to us while we were sleeping? I right. So <laughs> I was afraid of that too. I was like Half locked on the door. To be honest, the very first night when I was trying to go to sleep, I, I was being nudged by something. Like, I, I was like, my body was nudged right as I was falling asleep and I rolled over and it was like some etheric, like, entity or whatever. Like, and I had to write it off the first time and tell myself that uh, it was just uh, a body, my body twitched. But it felt like I've been laying on my side. It felt like somebody just went, just kind of nudged me. And then when I rolled over, I felt it again. And then I couldn't fall asleep after that. I'm like, okay, I started, you know, like not panicking, but you got to like do the clearings and stuff. But I eventually fell asleep and the next night was fine. But uh, I just wonder, I mean, they knew we were there and um, maybe nothing happened. Maybe it was, maybe uh, my I muscle so. was twitching. Yeah. <laughs> I did. I was out like a light both nights. I slept like a baby. I was completely out. I remember I was out on before I hit the pillow asleep both nights. So slept really good. If anything, I'm more worried about now, like um, now that I uncovered this stuff and I'm heavily researching it, I keep getting weird uh, phone calls from Baker, California and from Southern California in that area. I keep getting solicited. It's like possible spam and right. I ignore it. And then it's a message that I've for financing. So it's probably an automatic thing for their AI, for people that visit and, yeah. you know, what I'm saying like show up on the GPS on your phone. So then they spy on your phone to see what's going on. They're just gonna see my horrible taste in um, YouTube videos and <laughs> right. uh, my my glaring porn habit. But that's what the military is gonna see. There's nothing. There's no high tech stuff in there. Um, but there's you people. So there are you. So talks with Tony and other shows that I've been on. So this is new evidence. It's not easy to explain in in one breath or even in one presentation. So I'm gonna get good at it. And I'm. It's led me down the trail of research. Uh, around the dates of what I remember. So from what I can tell now, it was a contractor. It was a private, co they sold the tech, a private contractor that had access. And um, they just ran us through and they used us. They bought, they bought, they built, they sold psychics, clones, what they thought were clones, which I was something else than that. Other than that, even if I was clones, they sold off psychic kids for service to do whatever they want. And I ended up drug running for the, you know, we all know it's the the CIA. They call it the cocaine and in, in import agency. So um, they would have clearance. Uh, you know, the the pieces are all there. So it's just to connect the dots. There's got to be a paper trail somewhere. Um, mm -hmm. Whether I find it or not remains to be seen. Yeah. So and let, let's talk about how much fun we had too. Like we we enjoyed the hell out of it that trip. We had a blast, Tyler. You were great to hang out with. Um, you threw me for a loop. We were we were in the when we were in the gas station in Baker on the way back, Baker, California. And the, the guy behind us in line goes, uh, where are you guys from? And you said, Oh, we just got married. <laughs> Put me on the spot. <laughs> I went, I, I was gonna I just rolled with it. I didn't want to say anything, you know, like <laughs> it didn't hurt, but it was uh, hilarious. You know, like I said, 
Um, but we had yeah, a good time. I got some cool souvenirs there. I got my, you know, got us some shirts. And uh, it was it was a good trip. And then we went back. I saw the sphere. I got drone footage of the sphere in Vegas and uh, stayed there and uh, got to see some old friends, too, while I was there, which was awesome. And um, got to hang out. You know, the other here's one thing that I'll say on that note. Every time that you picked somewhere to go eat, it was amazing. <laughs> and as soon as you left, you left the day before I did. You left on Friday and I left Saturday. I flew out Saturday. As soon as you left, everywhere I went to eat was horrible. I went to this <laughs> I went to this dive place. It looked good on the map. And I went to this dive place and I thought, I'm just gonna see it through. I'm not gonna walk out now that I realize that their food's probably terrible. And it was the worst meal I've had in ages. But <laughs> I, and then it happened again for breakfast. Like every time you picked a spot, every time we settled on a spot, it was a good restaurant. Mm -hmm. And uh, for the rest of my trip, I ate terribly. So there's something to be said. So that's a talent, man. That's a, that's a skill you might not be aware you have. Right. I just led to it. I'm like, I don't know. This place looks good. Uh, <laughs> now, it, you know, I know it was a heavy emotional trip for you, but I did enjoy it. And I, it was fun getting to hang out with you and spend more time, get to know each other better. And, and uh, man, I told we were driving at one point. I was like, man, hanging out with you is like doing a 24 hour interview. I mean, we never stopped talking. That's right. I don't think we stopped talking the whole time. Right. So it was it was very rare that I get to spend time with somebody that's as knowledgeable in the truth community, like in the subjects of the secret space program, the government, the military industrial complex, all of it, what's going on. You just have such a body of work behind Journey to Truth. You you have a lot of information. And then me being a speaker and going to like, I've seen a lot of things behind the scenes. I know people and you know, I hear a scuzzle. There's a lot of things that we promise to people tell me and say, don't tell anybody. And I don't tell people, you know, and so, right. but you learn, you learn from it and the history of it. So there are still, you learn by hearing what happens behind the scenes at these conferences and on the shows when you're off camera, the things we talk about. So there's a lot of information that unfortunately the, the audience doesn't get to see that we got to download. So that, that was really cool, man. And I learned a lot from you too. Definitely. Mm -hmm. I was yeah. actually, um, I don't want to say shocked or surprised, but I was like, well, I didn't expect it when you were pointing. It's like, see those we everywhere. That's where a deep underground bases. We had somebody on a show that talked about that, and you know, you were pointing out stuff that I was completely unaware of that made perfect sense. Yeah, well, thank you. I mean, that's what happens when you have this conversation every week for five years in a row, hosting a podcast. You know, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, and exactly. uh, it, it becomes your reality, and you can't not see it anymore. So you look at everything through a new lens. And there were times what impressed me was when we went out and sky watched that night, you knew the whole fucking sky. Pardon my language. Like every star, every constellation, every planet, you're just like, bam, bam. And then you knew the story like, oh, she's a dancing and he's a fool. And blah, blah. I'm like, <laughs> I have right. a astronomy. I have a love for astronomy, as you might guess. So yeah. I think on a certain level, when I was a kid, I missed it. And like, there's a real, there's another thing. So I would say this and I would hope that Everybody gets to experience it sooner or later, but being as even though my situation was dire and I was basically slave labor and I was it was a very um, lowly existence, I still got to go into space and stand there and look. And we were deep space and look out the window and see the starfield in its reality, see the nature of space in its reality, and it's something that I think that one hundred percent of us would absolutely fall in love with, and I missed it, and so. There's no leaving it. It's like the ocean. It's just it's the same love affair that you have one has with the ocean. 
there's no looking at the ocean and not being oppressed. Like mm -hmm. you really, I feel sorry for you if that's what your life is like. But anybody, I think everybody that goes to the beach and looks out in the ocean is a sense of awe. Mm -hmm. And space is the exact same way. And you miss the ocean. You know, you know, I moved inland and you miss it. So it's mm -hmm. the same. It was the same thing. So here I didn't know what was going on. And I was always had a love for that. And I went into astronomy and I learned the stars and then got my memories back and thought, oh, shit, I've been there. I've been to that one. Yeah. Yeah. That was a fun conversation. I, I remember that night thinking, man, like if we we re if we should be recording this, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> like our conversations, it was it would have been uh, some you know great a plus uh content very cool so um so i'm gonna wrap there's a little bit more but i'm gonna like i said i'm gonna be unpacking this information over the next year for years probably so this trip there was a lot we did and there's a lot that i'm showing here that i um probably shouldn't <laughs> so already so um um i'm gonna go ahead and wrap and uh hopefully I'll have you back man and thanks for everything you're doing with journey to truth um you know as well as I do that it's hard to determine what's the truth. So present everything you can, and the audience is brilliant. They're going to sort it out, and time will tell. So yeah. that's what time has done for me. I came out, and I got thrown out of the bus by a lot of people in the community. But you know what? Time has validated me, and the truth is something that comes out over time. You're not going to get it all in one blow. So just stay with it. Though. We're in this for the long haul. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. And thanks for having me on. This was a blast. And, you know, obviously anytime. Absolutely. Okay. See you guys again soon. Four, 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 four.